Okay, y'all, we back in the building with another episode of Check the Credits Podcast, where we show respect, pay homage, and salute some people who sometimes don't get spotlights put on them, but, you know, they help make some of these records that you love behind the scenes, right, in producing, engineering, etc. Um, And so today's episode, we have a guest, amazing guest. He's worked with the likes of Fat Joe, Nas, AZ, I mean, countless others. Um, where I first got familiar with him and recognized him where um was he was working with uh Black Moon, Help the Skelter, uh OGC, Coco Brothers, aka Smith and Wesson, um was a was a member of the legendary production team, the Beat Miners, along with Evil D, Mr. Walt. Um so today we gotta, you know, show some love for uh the Grammy nominated multi platinum Producer BPZ, baby Paul's in the building, y'all. What's up, my brother? Peace, peace, peace and blessings. Salute to you, Chop Diesel. Salute to Check the Credits and everybody that's tuned in to the sound of our voices. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, cool. Um, so I, I mentioned some names of some people you work with, but if you want to make people a little more familiar, you can let us know some of those uh records that you produce for some of those names. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna start with my alma mater, the Beat Miner. Shout out to Evil D, Mr. Walt. Shout out Duck Down Records, Bootcamp Click. Uh, my career started on the first Smith and Wesson album, The Shining. You know what I'm saying? I produced Recognized, which was one of the singles, a song called Home Sweet Home, which actually inspired the um, album cover uh, of the album. Because you know, if you look at the album cover, it's a recreation of a jazz album cover by the legendary Roy Ayers. Coming, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I also produced another song called Wipe Your Mouth, you know what I'm saying? So I contributed, you know, ideas, but as far as actual producer credits, like just to my name, those are the three that I acknowledge. I, I assisted with Bucktown. It was like a collective between me, Evil D, and Mr. Wall, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, but, you know, it's like it was a family thing. So it wasn't like about picking and choosing which records we're going to throw our names on. But the ones that I hands down did myself were the ones I just mentioned. But yeah, Smith, uh, Smith and Wesson, The Shining was my beginning. And then, you know, as I continued to build my working relationship with the B-Miners, I went on to produce on um, Helter Skelter's first album, Nocturnal. I produced five songs on that album. I produced the single that everyone knows, La Fleur, La, La Fly, Scotch Guy, Rest in Peace, Sean Price. Uh, another song called uh, Let the Brains Blow, another song called Therapy, featuring Vinnie Mojica, who was known for featuring on songs with Trial Call Quest on a song called Therapy. Then I produced another song called um, uh, Soldiers Gone Psycho, Understand, and I think was one more. The title escapes my mind, but yeah, I did about five songs on that album. That was like, that was my coming of age, you know, as a hip hop producer in the culture. Like, like Smith & Wesson's album was the opener for me as a part of the beat mine because I was always around even going back to the first Black Moon album. But as far as seeing my name on the records and the credits, the Wesson then Helter Skelter and then Helter Skelter was like it solidified me as being acknowledged for being a working hip hop producer for that time. Got you, man. And and I, I remember at the time, um, I used to be up at D and D a lot. I had a homeboy that was a he was a night manager up there, Easy D. Um mm, I knew Easy yeah, D. That's my yeah, yeah, that's oh, my right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So how's he doing, man? He good, he good. He, he in Jersey City. You know what I mean? Yeah, tell him I tell us up. You know what I'm saying? So he probably will see this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, most depth. So I, I I remember them 
That was that was a studio. That was definitely the studio at that time. A lot of history in that studio. I I, I wouldn't even know where to start. That would take up half this interview. <laughs> but I would say that you know, rest in peace, Guru. Yeah. Shout out to the whole Gangstar Foundation. Shout out to Fat Gary, who I still keep in touch oh, with. Oh, word, word, word. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to DJ Premier. You know, uh, J. Ruta Damager, Little Dap, Malachi. You know what I'm saying? Groupon. You know the whole Gangstar family, man. You know, big, big shit. You know what I mean? So, um, it's like we were all just taking turns making classic records in that studio, man. Primo was in the B room. B nine was in the A room. And then I shot the Easy Mobile. He did some of the Lost Boys classic studio too. You know, what Lex Cooper's beam was in the Benz was in there. I remember yes, that sir. record in there. Yes, yeah, yes, kicking the kicking crazy. the door, man. There's a lot of records that come out of yeah, D&D, I bro. watched kicking the door get made. I watched uh, ten classic, uh, a uh, take crack commandments get made. Nas's life get made. I watched Jay and coming in and out of rooms doing those records. You know what I mean? I'm next door, and we just in passing, just doing. Shit, you know what I mean? So I can honestly say I was a part of that history, man. It's a blessing. Definite. Um, also, I saw in your bio, uh, going back, uh, you was interning at Power Play. Yeah. All the people yeah, that don't know, I, tell them yeah, Power Play, is, that was it. That was yeah, it. Yeah, shout out to Power Play Studios, Long Island City. Shout out to DJ Teardrops, who actually took over that space. He's a DJ from out of Queens who uh, was a part of a camp that me and my DJ partner, DJ Mr. Effects, you know, now push an envelope with untouchable DJs. But yeah, Teardrops is a DJ, an engineer. He has a studio there, you know what I mean? But um back then, um it was the stop it was the spot that like Eric B and Rakim made Let the Rhythm hit him. Karis one made the Blueprint album. That's the first time I met D Nice like early in his career. You know what I'm saying? Um yeah, a lot of history coming out of that studio. Yeah, bro. power play is the you know, essential. If you if you want to go hip hop classic, golden ever, golden age hip hop, that's yep. that BDP albums. That's that uh, 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 criminal minded. That's that. That's mm-hmm. that Eric being Rock Kim. That's that. That's mm-hmm. that true essence of hip hop. So and definitely one of the most underrated hip hop albums to me ever made. Kooji Rap wanted that. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That definitely. album is so crazy. Yeah, definitely. That's my first large professor. I was just about to say Large Pro. Definitely. Is, you know what I'm saying? Shout to Large Pro. Um, he was just in that mix back then, and I shout to Dr. Butcher. You know what I'm saying? He was a DJ for G Rap, which was one of my friends from Corona Queens, and he was one who used to have me come to the studio hanging out with him. And that's how I started building my relationship and interning at the studio. You know what I'm saying? Got you. So I always associated you with Brooklyn due to the beat miners and Black Moon and all that. So you got you got some Queens history too. I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, born in Harlem, raised in Brooklyn and Queens. Um, I was I, I, in my college days. I was interning at Power Play and then um, working a job and, and then you know I relocated to to like. Uh, East Flatbush, and at that time, that's when I really started. I had met Wall in Queens because he was he was running the Music Factory, which is a, a record store. I, re- I was about to say I remember him from the record store. Then he work in the right. record store downtown too. Then, did he um, not that I know of. I know he was doing Music Factory in, in Queens, but okay. that's not to say that he didn't you know run any other stores. Got stuff, you. I probably wasn't aware of it. You know what I'm saying? Got you. But got you. We built our friendship from when he was working in uh, Jamaica, Queens at the Music Factory. Okay. And, you know, and then at some point I relocated to East Flatbush and I was renting out a house 
in like 52nd Church in Linden. And, you know, the rest is history. I used to go to Walt's house in, um, in like borderline Bushwick, borderline Ridgewood, Queens. And, you know, they was demoing up Black Moon. Shout to Chuck Chillout who put out that first, who got the Nerv- record. Nervous Records. Yeah, yeah. Chuck Chillout. Yeah. I remember that office. Yeah, I remember that. Um, So, I mean, tapping into you saying contributing ideas and different mm-hmm. things. So just, just going, we're going, we're going to be moving around different topics, but I just want to get yeah, your take sure. on this. Um, I, I know that's not, I mean, some people would consider it ghost producing. I hate right. the term, right? But <laughs> ghost, ghost producing. Um, what's your take and what's your, I, I have my definition, what I consider ghost producing, but what's mm-hmm. your definition and your take on ghost production, ghost producing? I'm going to answer that question, but because we was on the subject of contributing ideas going back as far as the black moon, that was such a sample driven era. Mm-hmm. So contributing ideas meant I could have a record with a sample idea. Exa- exactly. You know what I'm saying? And, and if I didn't actually physically sample it, put it in a drum machine, loop it up, put drums to it, program it, sequence and arrange it, that takes away some of the production credibility from me if I just share, yo, this loop is crazy, fuck with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make something out of it. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I don't fully say I produce certain records. I, gotcha. I, I share ideas, you know? Gotcha. And uh, that was kind of what it was like being a part of a collective. Sometimes you might share an idea or somebody be like, yo, you got that such and such record, right? Let me borrow that record. And then, you know, that's how hip hop records was made back then. And we all shared the energy. We always passed ideas to each other, you know, but in today's times, you got to be able to get behind some equipment and put these ideas together to get credibility of being a hip hop producer. In my opinion, I think it's a little bit of both. Like there's beat makers and there's producers. Definitely. It's some the cast who put together dope beats, but they don't know how to make a record. Exactly. Meaning that they wouldn't know how to put someone, you need a hook and get a songwriter to develop it, make sure their vocals fit the music, arrange it, make sure their tone is right. Exactly. Make sure the vocals is mixed right. Exactly. Then find an artist that fits the music and the creative direction of the song based on just the chorus being developed for the music and then present it to the right artist that it's going to fit you know, and place that record. Then once you get them on the record, so now you got the artist and the chorus put together, you got to get in the studio, vocal produce it, arrange it, mix it, do the drops, automation, the sonics <laughs> of the record with the engineer. That's producing a record. There you go having a trained ear to be able to do all that and having the insight and the imagination from start to finish to execute that. There you go. I graduated from being a beat maker to a producer from the beat miners days to now. Definitely. I knew how to make a beat back then, but (laughs) I learned how to be a producer through the course of my tenure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That I can give myself credibility for the hard work I put in. Sometimes these kids, unfortunately, today, they get spoiled by the technology and having access to some software and making a beat and be like, I produced it. But that's just the beginning part. You know what I mean? Definitely. Until you can see a whole record through completely on your own, you got to be mindful and respect people and respect the architects who might be able to help you make that execution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. I, that's definitely. I, I, um, I, I felt the same way. I started out 
in my production journey. And um, I, I was making songs, and I knew I, I had a background, and I was an artist before, and we produced our own music and did things of that nature. But right. it wasn't until I came across, I, and I know you know him, Do Damian Blotton, who was my, my guy. Do is my mentor. Yeah, exactly. And um, man, shout out to Do. That's part of probably the one man that was responsible for both of our records. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Um, you know what I'm saying? Dio was my mentor too, man. Shout yeah. out to Dio, man. And Dio, he, um, when we, we was working with AZ, we was working with Ali Vegas. And I remember they would come to the studio and I'd do the records. We, I'd be in there producing it, but he might just come in and be like, nah, change this word to that word or change mm-hmm. this phrase. Or, you know, in the, in the beginning when we was doing these records, sometimes his name would go on the records. And, and at, at first I was kind of like, oh, he bugging. How you going to put his name on it? But... <laughs> Technically, he was in the studio. I mean, that's one thing I can say about him as being an executive, being a, a manager. He was in the studio for the entire process. process he wasn't yeah. nobody dropping artists off and leaving. He was there mm-hmm. for the entire mm-hmm. process. And I picked mm-hmm. up and learned so many little tidbits of just the right tone. Like you said, the right tone, the right texture mm-hmm. of voices. Now rappers are all melodic, so you have to get them in key. But back Absolutely. then, back then they were rapping with a cadence, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But it wasn't necessarily so melodic. But you still mm-hmm. had to understand the tones and the frequencies of their voices to make sure it matched. And he'll be like, oh, that's not the right beat. I'm looking at him mm-hmm. like, you crazy. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But he could pick that and see that. And over time, yeah. working and learning, I picked Experience. up those things yeah. the same way. Yeah. Right. You build a trained ear. And yeah. it's like, like you said, when it was more about lyric, lyricism and cadences and flows and enunciation and how you mm. said such words, you had to have that ear to, to help an artist who's still learning how to do that. Exactly. exactly. And even if an artist was seasoned and they felt like they had it covered, you it's your job to have an ear be like, nah, nah. you got to take that over. There you your go. Was, you had, your breath control was off. You was breathing too hard or or you running out of breath on that line. or You know what I mean? You got to catch all that. Most definitely. You know? That's our job. You know what I mean? 100%. Um, and again, sometimes I don't, I don't know if it was by design. I don't know. I don't know if it's for the business. I don't know if it's for the financial part of it. It kind of felt like they started to remove the actual producer out of the equation. You know what I mean? I remember a time where, uh, it just went from not needing us in the studio. We was getting fl- flown out everywhere. We was going to every studio. We in Cali. We here. We there. To the point mm-hmm. it was just send the files, send mm-hmm. the files. And then I think, yeah. you know, when I got back the record, and I'm going, well, I don't like that. Or I think they could have did the hook better. Or the second verse should be the first verse. And but we had no control and no. And it was like, for me, that's where I started to have a little disdain and like kind of falling back. I was I like, I, I want my own artists. I want my own situations. I want to be agree. able to kind of be able to paint the picture and um and I think it also puts a divide between the artists. I saw a video the other day on I don't know if it was TikTok or Instagram and it was a, a artist saying that <laughs> he doesn't feel that a producer should get 50% of a record. Wow. <laughs> I said, let me let me share <laughs> finish you saying I'm gonna share a quick yeah. story. He said yeah the producer shouldn't get 50% of the record because all he did is the music and and again, it could be a scenario where he just provided the beat, but he's saying, mm-hmm. I shot the video, I marketed it, I promoted it, I paid for this, I paid for that. And I'm going, okay, but you didn't pay for yeah. an acapella yeah. song. Yeah, like it's still in terms of the, the writing of the song, Actually, which people, composition, yeah, right. in terms of the writing of the song, music and lyrics and melody, there was a partnership. So mm-hmm. that should be somewhere along the lines. He's like, I, I don't feel our, the most I'd pay a producer. And he's saying it like he's paying us. Like, like you're doing us a favor. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the most out pair producers, maybe 20%, maybe. 
And this is recent, like within the last few years, right? This, this is this the artist. last few months. I just saw this. Okay. Yeah. So, so here's what I'm gonna say. One, a lot of that is to blame on the the the, the technology and the and the, the the gradual change of how music is con- consumed mm-hmm. as well as how it's created. With technology, some people got spoiled. They feel like. You know, that's what how you remove people from being hands-on yep. in the creative process. Oh, I'm in California. Just send me the music. I'm going to go record it myself. A lot of times when our career, and I'm sure you agree, even going back to when we both worked on AZ's album, we got an upfront deposit. Oh, Lord. And decided <laughs> they wanted to produce, us to produce a record, yes. right? Now, people get an instrumental and they'll go in the studio and make the whole song without <laughs> you. And then call you, yo, I'm using your tracks when you look out the business. <laughs> Yeah. And I remember when this almost happened to me with DJ Clue. Shout out to DJ Clue. Um, I worked on his last album with Rockefeller, Professional Part Three, right? Mm-hmm. I got the call. Well, actually, I ran the Clue in a club and he was like, yo, I'm using one of your beats. Da, 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 da. I'm going to holler at you when I'm going to hit the studio. I was like, all right, no problem. Cool. A little time go by. And then one of the people that was consulting me at the time, you know, quote unquote, acting as like a consulting manager. I guess they they were in touch with Clue and found out he was hitting the studio about my record. So I was like, cool, let me know when. I'm going to be there. You know what I mean? So when I get there, you know, vocals is almost there, but the eh. And I automatically listen. I give my input. And I said, let me know when y'all trying to mix this. I want to mix the record. And he was like, nah, you don't got to do all that. I got to cover. I said, no, I want to mix my record. Yeah, yeah. And I said it with a serious tone. And Clue was like, all right, no doubt. I respect that. You know what I'm saying? And shout out to Duro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duro was going to be there. Because Duro and I already had a relationship. He engineered a lot of records early in my career, going back to the Duck Down days. So, okay, okay. So I got the call at the studio they was doing all their work out of. I went in and I mixed the record. And this happened to be a record with Fat Joe and Remy called oh. You Don't Really Wanna that was on that last Clue album, Professional Part 3. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I remember after the record was done, he was like, yo, this is on fire. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Because I clearly I heard certain things because I made the music how exactly I could make it better and accompany the vocals a certain way. You know what I'm saying? So by the time he's wrapping up the song and, 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 and formatting the songs for the actual project, he does a tag. Fat shout, baby Paul. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He made sure to put it at, as the song is going off. So when you listen to the album, if you didn't see the credits, my name is acknowledged as the song goes on. There you so go. That's how you earn people's respect in this business, man. Because otherwise, like you said, people are going to treat you like, well, you just did the music. You ain't do nothing. Yeah, exactly. When yeah. even just doing the music should give you a little more credit. It's like I said, oh, you just wrote the rap. So you just did the hook. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, see how they feel yeah. when we do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So also, I wanted to know. Well, you, you kind of gave me this, your take on it. So I, I know you prefer to be in the studio. I was going to ask, what do you prefer sending records off for actually being in a <clears throat> the creative process? I prefer to be in a session with an artist, but I understand the times they're in. I don't necessarily agree with it, yeah. but I'm not going to completely ruin an opportunity by being so demanding about my, my, my hands-on appearance for example i'm overseeing the legendary female rapper Moni loves project which okay we'll get to later. but as an example she's in atlanta i'm in new york so in some instances i'll send her ideas and if i can't physically be in the studio with her 
I'll at least know the schedule, know when she's in the studio, correspond, maybe do a FaceTime, communicate with the engineer, you know, do what I can from a distance. You know what I mean? To still have my input until I can physically be there. And I've also gone down there and worked with her too in person. So I try to do a little bit of both to to manage the time between us because of scheduling and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, even with that, I still you're you're part of the process. I'm Absolutely. saying like nowadays, sometimes they don't even want you. They want the beat, and they don't want they don't even want to talk. They don't want to do nothing. Some yeah, artists are that way. Some labels are that way. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I I look at that as kind of a a downside. You know, I work with a lot of newer artists, um, and I try to <clears throat> give them that game and show them the importance of you know, having people a part of the process. Like I've worked on records. Like I said, and I got the record back and was like, this is horrible, but it was so, <laughs> but I, I mean, it's, it's bro. It's records that can't, and I love a to death, right? I did a record with a on, um, I guess it's Asiatic. Um, just want to beat it. And mm-hmm. the song, don't get me wrong. That's I love, I love that. I, I love that song. Salute. I meant to tell you that. I appreciate that. I that record when I'm driving, the way the vocal sample is and the singer you put on top of it in the chorus, that song is a vibe. And I can honestly say you brought something out of AZ that he doesn't always often do. He was telling his life story, relationships. But, but guess what? When we sat down, we, we did it at Sugar Hill. You know, we was over there. Y'all did, I think, did the essence over there, right? Yeah. Um, Last I, got, song, I, got I got a story about that. I got a story about that too, but hold Less, on. Me too. All right. Um, <laughs> So we we sitting there, we playing the beat, because he used to come to my studio and record in Jersey. And then we mm-hmm. went out, we went to Sugar Hill, we did that record. And um, but before we did it, we just playing the beat. I wanna say Dio brought Miss Jones originally mm. to sing on it. But you know, she was kind of out of the music at that time. She had been doing radio. She wasn't, she wasn't, it wasn't clicking. So right. um, I forgot Homegirl's name, but she was dope. Right. She was like a songwriter and a referencing. Mm-hmm. She was doing a lot of stuff at the time. This other girl that was there. So we put her in, she did it. We sat there, we hey, we was talking, and I always said to him, I, I feel like he's supposed to be there, like, with the greats. He should be there with the Nas's, with the Jay-Z's, with the, mm-hmm. you know, he's from that lineage, he's from that era. And Absolutely. some credit, in terms of his skill set and his ability, people give him his props, but I always felt like he was slighted a little bit. Like, I felt like he mm-hmm. should have came up in that same era. So the concept mm-hmm. of the song originally was, I just want to be, like, mentioned with the greats, like... We right. always would tell him like, "Yo, you gotta speak. You gotta t- people love you. Yeah, you gotta existence. you gotta talk about like people gotta get t- to your personality. They gotta know what you feel." I said, "People love Tupac not because he's the greatest rapper realistically, but you feel him. You know his story. Mm-hmm. You know what he stands for. What he represents." Mm-hmm. We get pieces of that with you with a, but he wouldn't really mm-hmm. do it. So when we stopped, sat down. Everybody was like, "Okay, this is what it is. This is when I remember. Never leave the studio." So I left. <laughs> We left to go get something to eat, let him write. I came back. First verse was done. But the first verse is going there. He's going mm-hmm. in the direction. I'm like, okay, he going to do it. Mm-hmm. Second verse. It was, again, the song still is a great song, and I still love yeah. it. But what I envisioned when we sat down, it was like, but, again, we was part of that process, so I wasn't like, I wasn't totally, I was still happy with the outcome, but, I yeah. felt like that could have been one of those defining records. That could have been a record I love that, that hook. Yeah. Don't bring me flowers when I'm gone. That's crazy. And and the music is a vibe and the bounce, you know, the bam, 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 bam. <laughs> That's, yo, I'll drive to that in my truck to this day. Now catch a vibe. Let, so salute let, you, kid. Thanks, thanks. I appreciate that. But let me tell you about that essence record, man. Mm. 
Dio calls us. Get mm-hmm. over to Sugar Hill, Nas and AZ. It's like a Sunday, I think. Right? Yeah. Sunday. I, Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Get over to that studio. You better have something. Because at the time, he managing us. So it's like, mm-hmm. you better have something. Nas is there. You're going to be able to play the beat with him. Bro, I'm trying to piece stuff together. We ain't have, it's, and it's four of us in the team. We like, we trying to bring the best beat ever in life for him to do. Right. Bro, by the time we get ready to get on the road, he was like, scratch it. Baby Paul came over and smashed y'all. I was oh, like, oh, that's crazy. So he would do stuff like that, and we would think he was just like, because he's done it in the past, and then we still went, and then he just psyched us out. Yo, and then we that's got this. crazy. I never knew that. Shout out to Dio. He, yeah. Man. He's like, yeah, nah, it's too so, late. He's so competitive. It's, yeah, he was it's, like, it's, it's too late. Fun. It's too late. Y'all, he, he, don't, don't even go. I'm like, what? <laughs> he don't go. I'm going. Yo, I. I, I feel honored, but at the same time, I feel bad. I, I, I stole an opportunity from <laughs> nah, you, bro. Nah, bro. You did this what you beautiful. did. That's why I, man. I snuck back and I say, give me them acapellas, man. And I did, uh, I did, they didn't, they didn't use it. A might have used it on like a little, like a, uh, it might have been a white label or something later on. And There's I chopped a up the. remixes that I've heard yeah, on the internet. You, you I, probably did one of them. Yeah, I chopped up the, um, this is, this had to be 0201. I did a uh, piece of my love by God. Okay. Okay. I nice. chopped that up, freaked that, put it in there, and we dropped it. I, I gotta like, listen. Out. I'm gonna go Google. Yeah, it's on. It's online. Right. It's on a few um, DJ mixes. I'm gonna download mixes. it, put it in my Serato crate. But yeah, just, it hurt my heart. But the 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 version Bless that came me. out was uh, that that shit was. Crazy. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. So when I made the beat, did it on NPC 2000. You know how back then you used to once you make a beat, you record it to dat like a dat tape, mm-hmm. archive it as another track before you go on a CD. So I literally was running the beat after, you know, hit play on the machine, running it, recording it. And I'm talking to my man and I look over and I don't see the record levels up and it's playing. I said, oh shit, I'm not recording. So I just turned the record level up on the deck. I remember that. I remember that. And, and the beat's fading in. So when I'm laying it down, I said to him, yo, I got to program the intro. There's an intro. But he's like, nah, leave that shit. That shit hot. <laughs> so that's why the record fades in and they just start talking. Hey, yo, God, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yo, I'm, I'm, you know I mean? and I'm gonna go on record for saying this because I really believe he is. Dio mm-hmm. is the first person to two track a record. I believe. Yeah. I've never, yo, we did mad records at Eddie F House at Sugar Hill where mm-hmm. he would get the beat. He like, nah, just two track it. And then later on, he would, depending on who, I mean, he would take care of the producer and get everybody paid mm-hmm. and make sure everything was everything. But sometimes he'd be like, it don't sound the same. And which right. is the truth. You, you a lot of records. have to get the multis and then mix the beat over and it's not matching the vibe of the reference. Yeah. Not to get off subject, but where's Trackmasters? Do you, do you keep in touch with to, uh, 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 Polka Tone? Nobody. Um, I, mean, I, I used to be. I used to be that. in touch with Polk more so. I have a, you know a more a closer bond with Polk than Tone, but mm-hmm. um, nah, nah. It's been years. I mean, I'm talking like about they probably. just literally fell off the face of the earth. And I, unless there's again, we can't read credits of everything that's out these days because of the way the internet is. You gotta literally go to Spotify and try to find out who produced what. But 
you know, I haven't heard nothing about Trackmasters putting out anything that I, you know. Yeah, even- nah. The last time I even seen them like surface online was when there was talks about them uh, doing the verses with Jermaine Dupree. I'm sure they still getting that. Good, that they still they still getting it. So oh no, nah, they 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 good. You know, that's why I always said I said I would want to be if I reached the highest of heights as a producer. I love their career in the sense that right mm-hmm. now Tony Polk could walk anywhere. They sitting mm-hmm. on money still to this day. They still got money. <laughs> right. But they could go right. anywhere and nobody even know who they are. I, right, I would right. love that. I was like, I couldn't right. be Timberland or somebody where I can't go anywhere when I want to go. It's, it's weird because like like producers like yourself and myself, we've put in the work. We have credits that people know. We have names that some people know, some people mm-hmm. know. It is what it is. Yeah. But I, I kind of, and I've been told this by my peers and some of my good friends, like my boy DJ Mr. FX who's in the building. All right. I have him chop it up with you in a second. All right, but, all right. Um, I'm always like one step away from being like superstar producer and I, <laughs> I, I shy away from it. Like, I feel yeah. like I just want to do the work. The fame kind of like, because I've, I've watched Kanye blow up to where he's at. Mm-hmm. And he was on quote unquote our level at one point. Just exactly. Exactly. Producing. I remember that Kanye. Yeah. When I see him now and I see what he's going through. And I even think of the times I've crossed paths with him on those levels of superstar. I'm like, yeah. the last two times. I seen him and had a conversation. One was when he was on the Glow in the Dark tour. I saw him in Atlanta. It was, you know, uh, Kanye, Rihanna, N.E.R.D. on the bill. Mm-hmm. Chris Brown was there. You know what I'm saying? I, I met Pharrell there for the first time. I saw how he was then compared to just the producer behind the scenes days. Mm-hmm. Then the next time I saw him after that uh, was when he did the Pablo tour. And shout the consequence, my homie from Queens. He got me some tickets. I was in the Midwest at the time, and he got me some tickets. Comped them to cast the tour, and I, I caught up dope, with him backstage. Dope, dope, you know what dope. I'm saying? And that was right before you know Kim got robbed. That tour, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right before she got robbed, so I caught that concert before that tour got canceled. <laughs> you know wow. what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, and those are those are definitely. T- different periods of Kanye and different mental Absolutely. states. Absolutely. Different... Like, kind of like the documentary. There's different, different periods of Kanye. And I don't want to be that. I, I, I understand and love the success. Of course, I would love to have the money, but I don't want those pressures, you know, like not knowing who your friends are. There you crazy go. Crazy dynamics with family and women. There like, you go. I don't want that. I don't, like, I love making music, but I, I, I shy away from the other bullshit that come with it. You know what I mean? Definitely. And that's... But that's me. To each his own. Yeah, most definitely. I, I um a lot of the artists, I mean, some artists they they built for it, they made for it, producers as well, and they mm-hmm. want it. But I always try to just keep any artist I talk to, I just try to really implant in their heads because one thing it's weird because we love it, we want to be in it, but there's a lot of wickedness and a lot of demonic stuff that come along with. And I ain't on no conspiracy theory. I'm just saying, just no, like the morals and principles. Like I always say, when people talk about selling your soul, it's not like you know to the extent that they make it seem. But anything mm-hmm. you do that compromises your integrity or your principles, you're selling your soul. That's it. Absolutely. So That's it's a it. lot of things that will tempt you, and it's mm-hmm. easy, especially if you're a young kid, you're mm-hmm. coming into a game. You getting offered money and opportunities you've never seen before in your life. It's easy mm-hmm. to trade that, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. it's easy. So I always try to instill in them and let them know, you know, you know, really have your don't spirit guarded. Yeah, and right. don't lose yourself. Have your spirit guarded because if mm-hmm. you don't, we we've all 
in some sort of way have compromised our integrity with doing whatever we did, whether it's, you know, like I said, just doing business or making a decision that mm-hmm. you just did basically for the money. You didn't care. Mm-hmm. You was like, I need this bread. I'm going to just boom, boom, boom. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But as you... Being in this business behind the scenes, you already know. Yeah. On, being, like, but as you grow, <laughs> you want to know, hey, bro, you right. want to you wanna be able to sleep at night. You want to have integrity. You want to be a, a man or woman of principle. You know, mm-hmm. as you carry and conducting your business, and I, I still feel like that goes a longer way. I don't, I don't care what people have, millions of dollars, diamonds, big mm-hmm. cars, plaques, mm-hmm. all this stuff. I, I know some of that stuff. There's an exchange that I'm not willing to exchange. Right. And like? I think that's my biggest battle. Just adding to what you said is balancing my artistic integrity with commercial success. You know. Hey, yep. And my circles at times is my checks and balances when I'm. Starting to lean towards yo, then I know I could do this. I could get some bread off this. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, I'm still baby Paul. People yeah, there you go. There people. you go. There you they go. Respect what you do. You've made some classics. Don't lose yourself. There you for go. That bread. There you go. And I, that's my wake up call. Like, yeah, that's nah, it. That's <laughs> it in a nutshell. That's yeah. it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, yeah. what are some of your uh? Like favorite, I know you know we from an era, so I know some of them off the top. But what right. are some of your favorite? Uh, well, let me start here. Hardware versus software. Where, where wow. you stand? Okay. Um, as far as I love hardware for drum machines, like I want to get back into collecting hardware. Like I, a lot of people probably curse me out in this video, but I sold my SP twelve hundred at one point when I wanted to upgrade. Yeah. People like to keep those vintage items. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm Shout out to Just Blaze. I follow him online. I love how he'd be collecting. Yeah. He recently got a Lindrum, you know what I'm saying? Customized yeah. Lindrum. Like, like collecting certain vintage pieces, you know what I'm saying? I want to go back to that. And, you know, like my favorite, like the machines I've used throughout my career besides the 1200 are always a favorite, the 2000, the 3000. Um, I was actually about to order a Renaissance because I was using it and in the studio and i said let me just get it anyway even though you got other options now you got the npc studio you mm-hmm. got the i think it's the one the one yeah mistaken. the live yeah the one, like my yeah. engineer uses that you know shout out to my man prime and and um i got the the, the studio in the house like one of the portable ones gotcha yeah you know i mean i i've used it off and on but i i don't know i have this psychology about big drum machines it's fucking <laughs> weird bro <laughs> i've hooked this up and i've used it a couple times yeah you know what? Let me just put a couple more items back in the crib. Yeah. Now I work in the studio as opposed to working on beats at the crib. So got you. I've never really been able to make music, like create beats and stuff in a mm-hmm. studio, like in a big. I think I started mm-hmm. out in more of an intimate setting, and that's the only way I can productively create. I could create songs and music and records, but I can't make a beat. We used to go to Eddie F's studio he had in his house. And he yeah. had everything. I mean, yeah. yeah, he had those, those everything pops. you could possibly use. Yeah. Every keyboard, every yeah. <laughs> so it was like I was like, this is too much. I couldn't. I, we we worked on a remix for. Uh, ironically, it was a song that I think Eddie had for a compilation, and it had Biggie. Yeah, Grand Pooba, Biggie. I think it was called Let's Get It On. But they was trying yeah, to make a. They was trying to make a song because they both had Biggie and Tupac on it. So they were trying mm. to recreate a song, and they brought us there to work on it, but they wouldn't give us the vocals. So we had to do it, everything at the studio. Mm. And I just, for some reason, I, I, we, I couldn't, we came up with some ideas, but it was nothing like what I make when I just roll over out the bed and get up and start <laughs> working on, you know what nah, I mean? It I wasn't, it wasn't that I, I've never been really able to, to do it that way. And, um, for me, 
I think it's a synergy, meaning that if I'm in a room with someone that's in tune with me, that like, let's, if they got the gear that I can use mm-hmm. and they're a good engineer and they have a good ear and they follow my directions, I can literally make something from scratch right in the studio. Mm. You know what I mean? But I understand, you know, creating in your personal space. Yeah. When you feel to create, because a lot of people don't understand making music is spiritual. You have yes. to feel it. Yes. You can't just like punch the clock, 9 a.m. Okay. Can you make a beat? No, I, I don't work like that. I'm making 20 beats today. I'm making five. I, man, if I made yeah. 20 beats in one day, you come, mm-hmm. somebody come salute me and give me all kind of praises because <laughs> there's no I way. Gotta I, feel it. I, I got to yeah. live life too to yeah. experience. Yeah. I got to go out. I got to. Mix and mingle for that to even set and work for me. I can't really operate like and that. I gotta be inspired. I gotta like listen to some stuff. And exactly. Ideas just come to me. Like, you know how, you know, a, be- a whole beat will come together in your mind before you actually manifest it. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's a sample, the drum sounds you're gonna put with the sample, how you're gonna sequence it, you know, all of that. And then as you lay that foundation, then you build as you go along to add like layers of instrumentation, chorus section, blah, 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 you know? Okay. Okay, now that we speaking on that, we from an era, so I think I know your answer. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you prefer, samples, interpolations, versus like completely original creations? You know, what's so funny. I come from that era of sampling, but I think as I've grown producing records and understanding a couple things, the business of music, where mm-hmm. giving up some shares of your publishing, yeah. You know, and all of that, because you know, we both come from that. So there's classics we made where we probably not eating off the performance royalties on the all. Back end because yeah. of that. Yeah. So yeah. I've learned how to balance it. There's some records I like to make that's completely like it could be inspired from a record, but I literally played Play it. Played yeah. These the melodies, you know, and stuff like that. And then in other instances, I love my samples, man. Like, and it depends on the artist too. Like if I'm working with A, a lot of times it's gonna be something sample driven. Yeah. This. Chops and a vibe, you know yep. what I mean? That's his that's his thing, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's made records without it being sample driven, but his his greatest records ever made are samples, just yeah. like with Nas, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yep. So, so I try to find that balance. I think with newer artists, I'm more into composing because I, I, I meet that challenge, you know what I'm saying? All right, so again, we're from an era where we were just talking about getting our first halves before we even... Right. In the studio. Right. What do you prefer, major label placements versus independent pla- uh, independent placements? That's a good question. Of course, major label placements is great because of the notoriety and the credibility and, of course, the money. But then if you don't control the narrative of that, you can have a dope placement on a really big artist's album and it don't get marketed as a single. So you're just eating off being a part of it. Mm. You know, so much of, of that you can get away with. Like I've been on albums where I didn't have a single, but I won the album, so I still got a gold record. Yeah. I still got recognized for what I contributed, but it didn't really necessarily advance my career. Exactly. So what I like about the independent aspect is being able to control the narrative. You know, I produced it, I control how it's put out, presented, video, how it's marketed. Mm-hmm. And then if it's my name's attached and you discover that record, and you love that record, it it comes back to me like, oh, he was behind it. Yeah. I need to work with him. You know what I mean? Definitely, so definitely. In that instance, I would take the independent aspect over the major because, you know, I know what it's like to make money from releases on a major label. I know what those performance royalties look like. I know what the back end for record companies look like. And a lot of people don't know that sometimes, even if an album goes gold to platinum, you still wait years 
I'm sure you've probably been through that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your residual income from yeah. record sales. I'm not talking about publishing, BMI, yeah, yeah, about yeah. Record physical sales. record sales, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then the digital age and the transition of how music is sold compared to then plays a part too, because now you got millions of streams yeah. just to see some money. You know what I'm saying? And that, that's something else too that uh, hundreds of millions of streams. Yeah. Yeah, I saw uh I was I was trying to explain some to a producer that I've been working with and kind of grooming, and I was telling him like, in our era, how we could like you just said we could produce on an album. Like I I had a big situation behind not really understanding how that worked. Like working on even on AZ's album, I mm-hmm. thought when we got paid our advance, that was it. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really know. Because again, I did have a single, but it wasn't like a major, big, gigantic single off there. No. So I mm-hmm. didn't think I was even getting any more money. I didn't know that mm-hmm. money was still being generated. And because I had a certain amount of records on that album, I would mm-hmm. still make money. Whereas today, somebody album can go gold and platinum off for three songs. Mm-hmm. And because they're basing it on an equivalent concept. It's not mm-hmm. actually somebody bought a million physical copies of that album. So right. whereas we would at least benefit being on a gold and platinum album because you're going to generate residuals because they're going to break it down based on how many songs on there. These artists mm-hmm. today, if you're not a part of the batch that made it sell or made it stream, you're just getting a plaque when they, when they go platinum. So that part of it, I, I'm like, whoa. So yeah. I try to tell them, I'm like, bro, if you want to work with these artists and be on these albums and be on these projects, you know, really try to shoot for when you submitting these records or you getting with the artists, try to have the single. Come up with mm-hmm. something that's not going to sound like Nothing, nothing else they could possibly think of. That way, you got a, a greater shot. If your song sounds again good, it got to still be good sonically. But if it sounds mm-hmm. a lot different than what everybody's feeding them, they're gonna nine times out of ten go toward that and look at you like, okay, this guy. That's how a person like Timberland or anybody mm-hmm. got on albums because their sound was so distinct and so you know unique to mm-hmm. nobody can mimic that. Every producer right. that's out right now, for the most part. Their sound can be mimicked. Everybody can do the same exact thing. Right. There's no set right. sound that'll make you stand out. So when mm-hmm. people do hear them, when you do hear those one, those records that come across, and they kind of like, oh, what's that? Even if you listen to a uh, what's the girl, uh, Glorilla, mm-hmm. the record itself stands out. It doesn't sound like everything else, even though it's in a pocket of other things. It's, it's kind of simple, but it works. Yeah, and it you has know? its own sound. It has its own mm-hmm. sonic. So it's going to easily stand out. When Cardi did Bodak Yellow, there's no... I mean, what's the cadence she borrowed from Kodak Black, but the sonics of the entire record was something that just stood out different. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I, I think that's right. the... Just that's being a commodity to a body of work exactly. as a producer makes the difference. That's it. I want to say something before I lose my train of thought. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. you didn't know... Because we're both on that Asiatic, Asiatic album. You know it's gold now, right? I just saw it, and I was about to say, somebody owe me a plaque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a, I, don't know if, I don't know if Motown Universal is going to issue no, it. No, I know that. I got to buy it. I'll, I'm, like yeah. it. I'll give you a link to the, uh, a way to do it through the RIAA. Yeah. But I both got to get that gold record Yeah, for I need so that. I that. need that. You know, it's a few <laughs> plaques I didn't get. They've been holding me. I've been trying to get this platinum plaque off this LL album. They're they telling me, oh, it's not platinum, but everywhere I see it, it's platinum. It's, it, I guarantee you, you can research it. Yeah. Which one? Um, 10. The album that had Love You no. Better on it. Yeah. No. So I, we got no. the gold plaque, no. but I've been trying to get the platinum. I got a Dave Holland. It's a few plaques. And and to be yeah. honest, during that time period, bro, I'm just I was just so happy to be doing the music and working with people that I loved and grew up on watching mm-hmm. and being around. Mm-hmm. I didn't even care. I wasn't even right. 
like trying to get. I was like, my plaque is I'm sitting here with LL Cool J. That's my plaque. I'm in the <laughs> studio with Diddy. I don't care yeah. about no plaque. I was so happy, not really showing them how happy I was, but inside, oh my god, I was I was like a kid in the it's candy. It's funny. Store. The plaques is our awards. It's our memorabilia. So when all of this is over, that mm-hmm. stuff back at black. That, for me, my plaques are like collective pieces. Mm-hmm. That's what I said. I said I'm going back. And, I'm going to get everything. I'm going yeah. back. I'm going back to get everything. Plaques, so we're gonna dialogue about that. Oh yeah, <laughs> definite. That's that's a definite. That's one of, and that's leading to another question. I know that album for me, the production on that and on the uh, nine lives, just because of how much I worked. I know I did uh, there's other records that I was involved in that might have been bigger or artists that might have been bigger, but. Mm-hmm. We acts like we grinded and worked on those albums and those records and really participated and went out to eat and kicked it and everything right. else and making those records. So I was gonna if ask I'm not you though. Speaking, you produced um problems, right? I did pro yeah. I did yeah. nine yeah. lives out the f- the first album on Motown, that was a record. Like we literally did those records at my crib. Literally. Wow. And then he wound up getting he wound up putting it out. Him and his man put it out on a white I label. remember it was like Sosa. It was yep. like he put out like, crazy. yeah. My, my DJ homie can attest to the fact that you know, anything that was in the streets, like musically, it was out in Queens, heavy. And yeah. after, you know what I mean? So I remember it was Sosa, Save Our Streets, yep. AZ. It had a joint, <laughs> it had those cuts before had, he went to Motown. It had, it had about four or five of those records on it. The Beanie yeah. Seagull record, I think, was on there. Um, I don't give a, I don't give a fuck was on there. Right. It was a few that. joints on there. We did, we did them yeah. at the crib. And Dio was like, yo, we just, they going to put him out. Because we was doing it with Ali. Even though Ali was signed, we was doing the records at my crib because his paperwork took a little bit longer, Ali Vegas, right. because he was a minor. You honestly helped A come back to a major with the work you did. You deserve credit for that, bro. I, somebody tell him that. That's my man. I love him. <laughs> we, 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 we've been a little distant for some years. I'm giving you your flowers, bro. I'm giving tell you my man flowers. that. And, and yeah, and, and there you go. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that was that was an amazing time, and for me, that's some of the most the the work I'm most proud of. So mm-hmm. I, I say that to ask you, what's some of the records that or, or albums or projects you worked on that you're the most proud of? Uh, definitely first Smith and Wesson album, first Health Skelter album. Got to fast forward. Uh, Stillmatic with Nas, I produced Destroy and Rebuild, so that was a blessing. You know what uh-huh. I mean. Oh, see, see, that's see, what, mama, hold up, that's wait, wait. Hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. I always thought Alchemist, you said Destroy and Rebuild. I always thought yes. Alchemist did that. You did nah. that? Yeah, boy. I got to check the credit. See, I'm slipping. Yeah, I'm slipping. Go. I got to go check the score. credit. Yeah. yeah okay, see, that's that's one of my faves on there. Wait, hold up. Yes, that's one of my favorites on there, bro. Nobody. <laughs> yes, sir. All Nobody. right, all right. Yeah, yeah, I think it's track number nine. You know, right before the flyers. So mm-hmm. Flyers. Oh, um, <laughs> that was another shout one. Out shout out, I was just about to say shout out to Ellie. Elias beat me out on the record too. I, I want to wrestle him, but that's my man. So <laughs> we, we we got track master lineage. So I can't even I can't even be mad at Elias. He beat me out on the Black Republicans. I got my homie DJ Mister Effects, the legendary out of Queens with me. Yo, Effects, come here, man. I'm gonna let my man tap in with us on this. Most deaf. Most deaf. Most deaf. Superculture talk, you know what I mean? Grab a chair, bro. But yeah, man, um, stomatic. And then as far as other classics, um, uh, whew, my brain, of course, Asiatic, you know, the essence, which I got my Grammy nomination from. And yeah. then, um, and I can, I could definitely shut the door with that too. It's the homie Chop Diesel, the legend, you know what I'm saying? Peace, DJ, peace. Sex. Peace, Matter of fact, 
I don't know if you're familiar with the um the AZ mixtapes that hit the streets of some years back. Um, when he went once he went independent, it was called Last of a Dying Breed. It was a series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the host of that. He was oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, they on um they on uh Apple Music and Spotify now. I think I went down a rabbit hole really? one day. I believe so. Wow. I went down a rabbit. It was yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I think I listened to like about man. I don't know who put it out or who released it, but it's it's tons. One night I was just up going through music on Spotify. Was it Apple two music. volumes? Was it? Or was it three? It's two. two. Last of a Dying Breed Volume One and Two. Az. He okay. he was the one who you know I I co-produced it with a you know as far as developing the music. Okay. Exclusives, but he hosted it, you know, produced it, marketed it. You know what I mean? That's dope. That's dope, man. Yeah. A is still eight, man. Yeah. A A is A ain't age, bro. A age is timeless. The music is still timeless. The penmanship still timeless. Yeah, it's like he ain't skipped the beat, bro. Like that's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I could definitely say I'm, I'm a proud of the Do or Die two album. I worked on um four tracks four and five, keep it real, and um uh um. Uh, Never enough featuring Rick Ross. So that I was, was just about one. to say, there you go. Yeah, you know what I mean. Shout out to my dude Prime that I mentioned earlier. He's an up and coming producer. He engineers for me. He, he co-produced the record with me, man. We had we putting that together. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope, man. Yeah, yeah but man. Effects is the homie. He's one half of my Untouchables DJ's brand. Like I mentioned to you. Oh yeah, you, know, you, you got you got to you got to speak on that. You got to speak yeah. on that. Back on my DJ kick. You know what I mean. Thanks to this guy. This guy. Oh, man. All this right. Is, <laughs> that was that was in the making of, of, of years, man. You know, I just had like a little plan and things like that. See, the crazy thing about it is, they're talking about all these, you know, what I'm saying these records and things like that. Now on our side, on the DJ aspect, you know, on the DJ side of things, um, I was overhearing you saying that how it was xing y'all out far as working, but. For on the DJ side, y'all was exing us out. <laughs> well, was, well, we wasn't, but yeah, 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 yeah. It was y'all. I'm gonna let them explain that. Let me, yeah, let me, yeah, let me yeah, hear yeah. how you feel. Like. <laughs> yeah, let me yeah. hear this. Let me hear real this. culture talk now. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> I'm gonna say it like this, man. So every producer, right? Most producers, y'all was. Basically, DJs at, at one at one particular time, like a lot of them was, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like your charge your hand and things like that. Especially in in crossing and going to like he was talking about the um the record shop that was in Jamaica Avenue mm-hmm. and things like that. I also know Ian Ward, mm-hmm. but it was a scene in Juice. Uh you talking about that part with DJ Scratch, the Pete Rock? No, there was a scene in Juice when they went to the record store. And they had the the newspaper and how they was getting records. Oh yeah, when they was jacking the records. <laughs> okay, see, that was my that was my introduction. To this oh <laughs> wow! He, you he know was, what I'm he was making them take stuff out of his paycheck, bro. You stealing records on his on his on the clock. Well, 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 well. This is, well, this is this, now this is gonna be another thing. So basically. Yeah, he gonna hit the you world, on line. I'm like, yo, what's I'm up? I'm on man? the world on the mixtape side of things. See, and when y'all heard the, the terminology mixtape back then in the '90s, artists, people in the mainstream, that y'all, you know, it was it was something that a lot of um, people looked down on. They didn't want to do that. 
We used to hear terminology like Biggie. I remember one time Biggie came to the Q Club with Nas, and Nas was doing a freestyle. You know, they 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 got they got audio and they got also um footage. But you hear mm-hmm. Nas saying the good fathers, the good fathers, and they was rhyming off of Key Wise into the top. Queenborough class. Said, yeah, Biggie said, "Yo, I know mom for free." <laughs> yeah. That, 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 but you can't put that on the win. I, I ain't seen you bring it to the producer yet. I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to. All right, okay, okay, okay. So, couple of monumental records, you know, um, promotion days used to be what, um, Wednesday, Thursdays and Fridays to get promo. Promo records, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. promo records. Um. Shout out to my guy, um, Ty Fife. Ty Fife, definitely. Yeah, you know I was just talking to Ty the other day, man. I, 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 I got to get Ty on here, definitely. I can't forget. I, my, I set that up for you. I can't yeah. forget my guy, Dana, a.k.a. Rockwater. Um, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. These are spots like he was in the legendary Hot Wax in, in, in Queens. With DJ Sage, Tempest, um... Uh, and all that. But anyway, let me explain. So for us as DJs getting exclusives and having good friends, that, no, 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 no. So, all right, cool. So I didn't want to be responsible for leaking. So we came up with our own. We came up with our own ways of getting records. Um, I also interned at um Power Play Studio. Gotcha. for two days. <laughs> They had me to take it. They had me to take it two inch reel. Ah, oh, I remember. This makers. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Hopped on a train. Took a left. Got the two inch. Got it recorded. <laughs> came back, sealed it up, then took it. Wow. <laughs> Get them exclusives, man. It was a different time. By, man. By, it, was, by, it was definitely it was, renegade, bro. It was definitely a renegade it was a situation. Crazy renegade, man. Shout out to uh, Nasheen too. Nasheen Marek, yeah, 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 yeah. These are see. I shouldn't really be shouting it out because the story behind the story. <laughs> Look, DJ Mister Effects. After y'all see this, y'all hit him up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but the thing is, though, man, we had to get it the way out. We had to get it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, shout out to my cousin, Cut Master C. Yes, sir. All um, right, all right. DJ, DJ, DJ Clue. Um, there was time where I could tell you stories, you know, RIP to B.I.G., but B.I.G. one of the killers. <laughs> uh, For um, leaking music, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Like that, but I'm just saying. I mean, when you say you want to kill us, you got to explain why. Nah, nah, most definite. You know what I'm saying? He actually wanted to kill the African guy that actually leaked on um, the the demo. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. Did you hear the um 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 Let's Get It On with um with Pac? That's what I was telling them. They they gave us no no just with Pac. Nah, nah, not not just with him by himself. Nah. Okay. Did you hear that one with? When Tretch, Tretch was in the studio, R.I.P. the Stretch from um, 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 Loud Squad. Which record was it? Let's get it on. See, I, oh, no, nah, no, nah, not that one. No, 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 no. I never heard that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Off a bit, if you if you was the one that created that record, this several 
versions of it. Nah, I try. Listen, listen. Let me explain. Let me explain something to you. I think we got the same issue, bro. I don't think uh, your issue ain't with me. You let me tell you why. I know. I know. I know. No, I'm gonna tell. I know, but I'm gonna tell you why. Because everything you talking about, you was doing. We was trying to do the same thing. We was taking. <laughs> I told you he had a record already with. Not, it was already solidified out. I said, give me the acapellas. I'm trying to beat him off the album, bro. I did my own version and put it out. Like we was on the same mission, bro. And for yeah, me, yeah, I, yeah. I got a weird situation because. I'm a rapper that turns into a producer. Right. And by default, because I made, you know, back in the day, you couldn't pay people for beats. You know, you mm. could you didn't have all of that. So it was like when I started rapping, it was like I made the music I wanted to rap to. And at that time, most groups or most artists made their own right. music or their DJ. So I became mm. a producer actually by default. The and fault, I just right. I just seen that, oh, I could do this, I could make money, I can, you know, do what I love doing and not be in the forefront. Cause I don't know for what reason why I thought I was gonna be a successful rapper. And I don't even like people and being in the mix and being <laughs> so I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna be successful as a rapper, but as a producer, I could be behind the scenes or what have you. So I transitioned into that. And um mm-hmm. that was that was my Those thing. Good. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So I yeah. I, I wasn't the DJ turn rapper. I love DJs. I always been trying to incorporate DJs and what I do. I'm still I went to the extent of hiring DJs to put scratches and stuff on records when I was doing records at that time, because I still felt like that's a major part of hip hop. Yeah. So it's like, we can't take those elements and just remove them. And I, and I I want a DJ to actually DJ. I like a DJ that DJs. I don't like somebody that just play records. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. You feel me? So I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. I'm, I'm hip hop to the core, bro. Trust and believe. Yeah, I, I I see now. This is where I get to the people that actually make the records and things like that, and and you know, and artists when they be brainstorming. And nowadays they say, well, they gonna make a mixtape. Like for instance, Meek Mill's project that's on that piff, but it's a mixtape. You talking about the new one? Yeah, but okay. who's hosting it? There's no D. See, the thing is, what now? The term mixtape thing became so commercial with the commercialism. And again, once again, it's like something to push out the DJ. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Every I remember, you know, back in the days, every artist had a had a DJ. Yeah, yeah that's why I said I, I still believe that shit. I don't believe in oh, I'm so and so's tour DJ. No, you should be somebody should have a DJ. A permanent, yeah, right. they interchangeable tour DJ. <laughs> and I'm like, how that's your DJ this month? And then now, you two months later, they got a whole nother DJ. Like, nah, you need a yeah. DJ as a you part of point. your group and a part of your your, your movement. I, I've always believed in that, but you know, it's again, funny you said that because as I started building my relationship with A around the time we both worked on that album, and a little after that, by the time he went independent on Cops, mm-hmm. he would ask me to DJ when he was doing shows. So I actually did DJ for a little while for, for, for a touring, like yeah. all over. Then, you know, um, I decided to fall back from that because sometimes the road, being on the road. For oh me, yeah. That's another, yeah. Anyways, that's another animal. When yeah. you're on a road with someone else and it's about them. Them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I can't move a certain way if I'm out of, out of town, you know, I got to move on their schedule. You know what yep. I mean? So, I fell back from that, and then you know it, 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 he had a, someone replace me. That was one of my friend's cousins. You know, shout out to um, my man Sife. You know what I'm saying? And then um, I think now DJ Duwop 
Legendary oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's not his 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 road DJ, so you know. But we shouldn't even call it that, right? He should just be called. He should DJ. be a DJ, but because, <laughs> because they interchangeable, that's why they be oh, it's tour DJ, the road DJ, the, the, right, yeah. right? But right. you know, back in the day, Cut Creator was LL DJ. Exactly. Uh, Bobcat was his DJ. It wasn't no. Mm-hmm. You knew who they DJ was. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, I Alamo see. was brand new being DJ. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mike Smooth was all finesse DJ. We didn't, they're in, it wasn't interchangeable. It's, that's who it is. Premier and Guru. That's mm-hmm. who it is. You know what yeah. I mean? So, P. exactly. There you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I, I'm I'm for that all day long. So, I'm a, I'm on your side. I'm a, I'm an advocate for that. So, if you want to start a campaign and get going, we can do that. Yeah. I'm with that. I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. I'm all things hip hop. I'll follow each other after this. Definitely. I'm all, I'm all things hip hop, bro. I love what's going on. I love the fact that, you know, kids from the inner city and where we coming from and where we started out could take it from having nothing to being millionaires. But I, I also feel like I want people to do it with integrity and morals and rules and play the game fair and don't really, mm-hmm. you know, you ain't got to do all this extra crazy stuff, cutting people out and, you know, like, like with, with the whole thing of just, commercializing hip hop period that's something that's going that's been happening since its inception that's beyond mm-hmm. any of us you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's just what they're going to do if you can make money off it they're going to turn the dollar off it they're not going to care and they can commercialize it whether it's the era of mc hammer with the shiny the crazy big pants or whether whatever it is it's going to be right. an era where they're going to commercialize it and take it somewhere today's commercializing is death music and drug music and everything else but that's their version of commercializing in it that's what me, i just feel like the younger generation needs to respect the architects we need more man i like what coiler ray's doing right now mm-hmm. and we uh, gotta step up i think also people i hear both sides of it but i do feel like especially i it, that's in the the world period i feel like it's a certain era I, and I, I sometimes put the blame on my... I was born in 72. So in my era of the kids that started to come after us, that's when we started to really have the, the head button. Because my OGs taught us. We didn't necessarily pass on and necessarily try to teach that next generation. So they kind of lost. And that's, for me, where I personally can see the disconnect. With right, them. Yeah. And now trying to go back and tell somebody. It's like your father you being gone your entire life and then coming back trying to tell you how to be a man. So it's kind it's kind of hard, but I feel like we just gotta keep fighting and really keep being being present and you know, and as far as like working with them and teaching them, because that's my mission. You seen some of the videos and the clips I dropped. That was mm-hmm. my real purpose because I deal with nothing but independent artists and young artists every day. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm a I'm a servant at this point. Like I gotta help people because if I had somebody to tell me a lot of this stuff that I tell people or the experiences I went through, I probably would have been further or wouldn't have gone through a lot of the stuff that I did right. go through. I just was right. we was winging it. We was figuring it out as we was going. As we went along, like I was saying earlier. Right? Yeah. So I, I try my best to mentor a lot of the talent I come across, not just artists, but up and coming producers, producers. Yeah. You know, engineers and things like that. You know, and and just share the share the jewels and the wealth. You know, I don't force it. I there you go. There you go. Or, or I lead by example. There and you go. When they, they're receptive to it, that's when I share. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just think that's 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 the only thing we could do to really kind of get it together. Because also the type of money they touch, and it's hard to get them to pay you attention, bro. You trying to talk right. to somebody that got ten million dollars in the bank, and they looking at you like, yeah, but I got this ten mil. What, you, what right. you talking so, about? Or so even if they make it some garbage <laughs> music and you say you could do better, they're gonna be like, they well, not trying well, to hear I'm that. Rich. What are you doing? How you gonna tell me to make better records? Exactly. But, you know. So I said yeah. it's, it's a fight, but I think you know I'm 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 for it. So that's my mission. I just 
with everything that I'm doing, I feel like I'm just trying to make sure that, you know, the message get out, the understanding get out and, and, you know, just trying to really help and add and and build and add on to whatever's going on. Because again, as I tell people all the time, I say it to my kids, your future's my past. I've I've been (laughs) here before, you know, Jay-Z line. Because it's the right. truth. If I, if you got a G, a personal GPS that navigates you through life, you can't really beat that. You know what I mean? I ain't saying you gotta follow everything I say to a T, but at least take the tidbits and the nuggets out of there and apply mm-hmm. them to your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of hard though, because when you're, because you know, saying I remember, you know, our, one of our slogans was, you know, we this young dumb, we don't give a. <laughs> <laughs> We we used to we used to embody that like like you know like we, we was coming up and but, things like that like but I I'll say this somebody somewhere because you still here somebody yeah. somewhere planted a seed that it may didn't resonate or get to you at that moment but somewhere along the line it kicked in and that's why I say we still just gotta just do what we yeah. supposed to do on our end and when they get it they'll get it just like our kids when they get it they are gonna get it. We didn't get it necessarily sometimes at the time either, but right. eventually you will. But a lot of times I see artists just like, oh, they ain't gonna listen. They hard headed or they young. These niggas knuckleheads. <laughs> right. I ain't about yeah. to. I kill one of these niggas and you know all that kind of stuff. So I just feel like it's our duty. We gotta. We older. We know. We we've been through things, and it may not be exactly what they going through, but it's there's no way that in our experiences in our path that we don't have good information and knowledge that we can pass on. Just sharing our experience, they should be able Facts. to grab something and take it and apply it to their life or apply it to their business and how they move forward. Facts. Also, while we you know in the midst of this conversation, I just want to share this. I support what you're doing. I salute you for the effort you're making. You know, using your platform to tap in with other fellow musicians in the culture. We come from that era where we all used to share the wealth. We used to put yeah. each other up on whose albums was being worked yes. on, yes. trying to play music. All that's gone. I, I've been talking about that. I miss the era with me, like people like me, Buck Wild, Lord Finesse, Diamond. We all used mm-hmm. to compare notes and share the wealth and, you know, put each other up on people's projects and, yo, play a beat for such and such. He's working on an album, that kind of stuff, man. Exactly. You know? So just using the internet. In my uh, capacity, just know you're going to constantly see me supporting what you're doing with this right here, man. I salute it. I appreciate that, my brother. And on that note, we're going to wrap up, man. So let everybody know where they can get at you. Uh, if they need some music, if they need to get at you, to, they trying to get on. You know, whatever the situation is, let them know. Let them for know. Sure, for sure. For me, Instagram at BabyPaulBPZ. That's B-A-B-Y-P-A-U-L-B-P-Z-Y. Um, with me and DJ Mr. Effects as Untouchables DJs, you can follow official underscore Untouchables DJs. You can tell them your Instagram. DJ Mr. Effects at Gmail. Um, I'm about to say Gmail. <laughs> yeah, on, on IG. Right. <laughs> yeah, know? you know what I'm saying? And, and um, as far as music, you know, shout out to Moni Love, you know, um, finishing up her project. It's called Love Struck. I produced two records that's out right now. One called Divine, featuring Molly Tuck and Sky Zoo. Song and video out now. Oh. The latest single's called One People, about to drop a reggae remix that's coming. Going to do Untouchables DJs, producer-like DJ project for next year. Uh, I'm going to do an instrumental album that I actually released years ago. I'm going to re-release it called Throwback City. And I want to do a Lost Tapes project called Decades. Oh. I have a lot of unreleased music you know, throughout the years of our tenure. <laughs> I know that. You know, Exclusive remixes and cuts that never made the cut. Word. But I just got it in the archives. I'm gonna I'm gonna distribute that on limited edition vinyl. You know, shout out to my my network in Japan and Europe for that. And um, 
yeah, just stay tuned, man. A lot more to come, man. All right, that's what it is, man. So I appreciate you for coming through, sharing your stories, your information, spreading the love, man. And I want y'all to stay tapped in. And most of all, don't forget to check the credits.